0: We'll take your Bibles and open up to Luke's Gospel, chapter six. Luke's Gospel, chapter six. Glad you're here today. Welcome to those of you who are joining us online this morning. We're in the series, kind of a break from our previous series, in a new series called "All Things New in a New Year." And so far in twenty uh, twenty three, we've talked about uh, singing a new song, a, a spiritual song, and maybe you've lost your song and. God wants to renew that in the new year. And then we talked last week about things like your attitude and your mind and, and uh, how the world assaults that and how Jesus can renew our minds. And today I want to talk about how to be the right kind of steward in the coming year. One Christian leader put it this way, "He said, The stewardship of our resources is a serious business. And God's will is that we give it serious attention this demands that we have the right perspective on our resources and that is only possible if we have the right focus on our source of all our resources well that's a really important truth to incorporate in our life to live by especially right now you know as you start hearing more and more out there that's telling us things like um, a recession is we're headed into a recession some even say we're already in a recession um, but I want to encourage you this morning with some facts. Did you know the fact is that in God's uh, kingdom there has never been a recession? Never. And did you know in God's economic plan there never will be a recession? That's why if you want to get in on that you've got to understand what he has to say about what he has entrusted to us. Now let me tell you that stewardship is not tipping God, you know, like we sometimes do. We just give a waiter or waitress. And by the way, at Ridgecrest, when you go out to eat someplace, always tip generously. Do you know waiters? I've asked them. Waiters and waitresses tell me the day they, they uh, hate working the most is on Sundays. And I figure, well, that's because it's a weekend. That's not why. Do you know why? Because that's when the church people come to eat and they have told me this that church people are the uh, most demanding and leave the least amount of tip so by the way let let that not be let let that not be us well that's not even the point but sometimes we do that with god don't we we kind of we kind of just give him a little tip there and say hey thanks god But our response to God as stewards, of course stewardship involves more than just the financial side of us, but our response to God is to say, God, what can I give you? How can I show how much I I am grateful for what you did? You paid a debt uh, on the cross for me that I could have never paid uh, in my entire life. And so I think what we have to understand is what Jesus said about stewardship, to whom much is given, much is required. Do you know by the world standard, most of us are extremely wealthy? You say, well, I don't feel wealthy, but by the world standards, most of us are extremely wealthy. And that's why uh, stewardship is so important for us in the kingdom of God because uh, the question isn't, uh, by the way, wh- how much you have. It's what you do with what you have. Are you obedient to God with that? Listen to a shocking recent study. This study is from this past year, twenty. 22, and it relates not to people that don't know God, it relates to people who are evangelical Christians. They did a study, about 11% of evangelical Christians never attend a church and never give any money uh, uh, of those who don't uh, attend. More than a quarter of American evangelical uh, Christians don't give anything to the church at all. And according to the survey, another 15% who do attend church uh, never put any money. Uh, in the baskets or in any giving process and of course historically the survey said uh, uh, giving increases with income and with our age but the study also concluded that millennials and there are a lot of millennials watching us today and a part of this and uh, and Gen Z are more much more likely rather than give to God to give uh, to family and friends and even strangers rather than support the work of the church of God. Listen to these percentages uh, of evangelical Christians who give to the church. Ten percent of evangelical Christians give more than eight percent. Do you get that? Ten percent give more than eight percent. Twenty-three percent of evangelical Christians give two to eight percent. Two percent to eight percent. Twenty-six percent of evangelical Christians give zero. Forty-two percent of evangelical Christians give less than two percent. Now I want to tell you something as a pastor that's pretty depressing but the fact is it reveals a deep gap between what we often confess we believe and what we practice and so this morning uh, I want us to examine what Jesus says related to stewardship the bible speaks a lot about stewardship i mean it speaks a ton about do you know it is said that the two subjects the bible and jesus and the gospel speak the most about are stewardship and the second coming of christ and so if you're physically able to do so why don't you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of god's word we're just going to read two verses then i want to come back and give you a little bit of background from the the segment of scripture that we are reading from verse 37 of luke chapter 6 Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Then look at verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Let's pray. Father, would you take this morning, and would you speak your truth into our heart? Would you convict us, and would you challenge and change us, Father, with it? We pray for it. We'll get it. We'll get what you want us to get. You know what we need to hear. And so, Father, may I faithfully deliver your word. Father, let it be your word, not my word. Speak through me, I pray, to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, some of you, have you ever heard, how many of you have ever heard the expression, Sermon on the Mount? You ever heard that? You know, that's Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5, 6, and 7, particularly focused. And the Sermon on the Mount is a wonderful segment of Scripture because what it does is Jesus is just really giving some life principles. You know, if you want to do life right, and we're talking about doing life right in the new year, and this is one of those things you got to get right, it's stewardship. And so Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, gives all these life principles. Well, if you look at Luke 6... You see the same thing that Jesus is giving a lot of life principles. And that's why you can break this text up into a variety of of segments because it's like Jesus, okay, so let me give you a couple of principles. Okay, let me give you another couple of principles. Okay, here are another couple of principles. And what he's saying is, let me just give you some basic uh, ideas, well, not ideas, let me give you some basic truths for living the way God designs you to live. And so what we're doing, we're really focusing on one verse in this passage. Now, it's interesting. I mentioned the Sermon on the Mount, but this looks a lot like it. Some scholars say these verses 17 through 49 are, um, are, are really the Sermon on the Mount. But the fact is, um, if, if there's something. Uh, verse 17 may change that. Look at verse 17. It says, And he, that's Jesus, came down with them and stood... On a level place with a great uh, crowd of his disciples, a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, this says Jesus came down to the plain. So that's why scholars say, most scholars say this isn't the exact same uh, uh, setting as the Sermon on the Mount. So you have the Sermon on the Mount. Someone has called this the Sermon on the Plain. But in both cases, we get these principles, these principles for for living. And verse thirty-eight is one of the principles in particular. That relates to our stewardship and Jesus is not ambiguous but he's very clear on how giving works in the kingdom of God and frankly as I said the whole Bible is pretty clear on that from the Old Testament to the New Testament it's pretty clear about all these things so we're entering this new year 2023 is an opportunity for you and for me to get stewardship and giving right uh, in order for us to reap the harvest of obedience that Jesus describes in the passage this morning. Now, I've titled this message, A New Kind of Stewardship, because it goes with our series, you know, All Things New in the New Year, A New Kind of Stewardship. You may be here, and if you've been under our ministry here for years, you know I've preached stewardship uh, dozens and dozens of times. In fact, every year about this time, uh, I uh, I, I preach about, uh, about stewardship, in particular about giving. We're headed toward a thing I'll mention in a minute called Prove the Tithe Sunday on the 5th, but I do this every year. Now, if you, if you, and I don't know what you give, by the way, I don't know what any of you give unless you walk up and say, hey, pastor, I got this money here, I want to do something with Would you take it and put it towards something uh, that we need to do? That's about the only time I know what you give because I don't go through your file and I don't look and say, hmm... And I've made that a rule in my own life in ministry because frankly, I don't want to get depressed out of my head. And uh, secondly, because I don't want to ever minister to anybody in my flock based on what they give. So if I don't know, I can just minister to you and think you're one of the greatest givers in the church. And I want it that way and I like it that way. But, but you say, so pastor, you've preached this a lot and I have. And, and, uh, uh, over the years, but every year I'm going to preach again. If you were perfect givers, if our congregation and those who are live stream family and all, if you were perfect givers and, and, and I knew you were perfect givers, do you know something? I would preach this every year anyway. Do you know why? Because it's in God's Word. And to avoid it means I'd only preach the stuff that's easy to preach versus the stuff that's that people don't always enjoy hearing about but it actually is for your good and I, well not, look I'm not a theoretician about this I'm a practitioner I've been doing what I'm talking to you about today since I was a teenager since I learned it and it works I'm a satisfied customer and every year some people will get it they'll get it I had some people come up to me after the first service and said I discovered something today about giving that I never re- recognized before I had some comical stuff uh, from people, uh, too. I have to tell you, this morning, uh, I was praying early when I I got up because it was raining, and I was praying early, and I could hear the rain. I said, not today, Lord. And I said, Lord, make it go away. And by the way, the Lord kind of pushed it away until we could all get here, and I think it started back up a little bit, which means I'm going to just keep you until it quits raining. (laughs) But I'm praying this morning, I'm thinking, God, the two worst things for a preacher— Rain and a Sermon on Giving. <laughs> and, uh, but no, really, at this stage, four decades of ministry, I, that stuff doesn't bug me y- anymore. I got past that a long time ago. But listen to this, God wanted you here today. And so God's got something for you, so don't, don't miss that. But, um, uh, but there are a lot of folks who believe what we're going to talk about, they just don't practice it. And so I've I've titled this A New Kind of Stewardship. You say, but you've preached this. Yes, I have. And many of you have gotten it, and new folks every year get it, and they they get on uh, on board with what God says about that whole process. But uh, it's new, and you say, but it's not new. If you understand tithing and giving and giving beyond, it's not new to you. But do you know when Jesus spoke these words, this was a completely new concept. This was altogether new it was radical when Jesus said give and and then God will give back because heretofore they lived by the law and so they did what they were required to do you know okay we got to tithe we've got to tithe and by the way the old testament tithe was probably more like 30 percent than 10 percent because they had to give out of a bunch of different categories that's another uh time another message but so so heretofore they had lived by the law and so everything was begrudgingly but now what Jesus is trying to teach them is a new a new thing he didn't nullify the law you say well I'm not I've had people tell me this well I'm not under the law anymore I'm under grace yes we are under grace thank God for that amen aren't you glad you're under grace we're under grace but let me ask you something. So people say, so I don't have to give like the law says. The law says a minimum of 10%. So, But I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. Therefore, I don't have to give. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think you would give Jesus less under grace than you would by the law? Wouldn't grace cause you to say he deserves so much more than the law demands? In fact, Jesus taught a principle about uh, from the Roman law, not the, 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 he taught this principle, he said, if a Roman soldier comes to you and says, I'm tired of carrying my pack, I've been carrying it, and by law, I can conscript somebody to, to help me, and so he walks up, Wally, and he says to you, he says, uh, Wally, I'm tired of carrying my pack. I need you to carry my pack a mile for me. Because the law, and then Wally would have to carry, because I'm a Roman soldier. I'm tired of carrying my pack for a while. I need a break. And R- Wally's a, a good citizen. And so I said, Wally, I need you to carry that the next mile for me. And the law said that I could do that, and he would have to do that. Don't you, I bet Wally would really think highly of me. Come on, Wally, pick it up. Right? Jesus said that's what the law required, right? Have y'all read that story in the Gospels? But Jesus added to it. Do you know what Jesus said? If he requires you to carry it a mile, carry it two miles. Go beyond the law. Now listen to me. So when somebody says to you, well, I'm under grace, I'm not under the law, Jesus also said, I didn't come to nullify the law, I came to fulfill the law. So if somebody uses that with you about giving, say, well, wouldn't grace by... Wouldn't grace, wouldn't the principle of grace, if you want to use that as a rule, cause you to do more than less? Are y'all with me? Doesn't that make... Does that make sense? See? And so uh, there, there are folks I hear say, So what Jesus was saying was radical. He's saying, go beyond. And if you give, then you're going to... Uh, well, well... Let me show you two major things, all right, and a couple of things underneath. First of all, I want you to see that Jesus speaks of the generosity of stewardship. Jesus is talking about being very generous. Give, and it will be given to you. Uh, Jesus is talking about giving from what we have received. Obviously, you, God only holds you accountable for what you have, not for what you don't have. People say, well, I can't give very much. The question is, are you doing with what you have what God expects you to do what you have, not what you don't have. The believer is not, to, uh, I mean, the believer is to give and, and to live out of this kind of uh, spirit of giving and not a spirit of selfishness and hoarding. Uh, most of you guys know who Denzel Washington is. Y'all know who Denzel Washington is? A great actor, by the way, uh, has confessed his faith in Christ. And uh, I came across a, a short video of Denzel Washington And he is um, offering some spontaneous career advice to a group of young actors and actresses. Um, And it's an informal setting. His remarks are kind of off the cuff and they're unrefined. But his views align with some key themes of Christian stewardship. Listen to what he says. And this is a quote. This is Denzel, what he said. He said, I pray that you all put your shoes way under the bed at night so that you got to get on your knees in the morning when you wake up to find them. And he says, and while you're down there on your knees, thank God for grace and mercy and understanding. He said, we all fall short of the glory of God, but if you just start thinking about all the things you got to say thank you for, well, that's a full day. That's easily a day. You never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Now, he says, I've been blessed to make hundreds of millions of dollars in my life. But I can't take it with me, and neither can you. It's not how much you have, but it is what you do with what you have. Isn't that pretty good? It's pretty good. That's really our responsibility. Biblically, that's what the Bible uh, uh, talks about. And there are two things in this whole matter of, of the generosity of stewardship I want you to see. First of all, I want you to note the practice of giving, the practice of giving. And it's simply stated, Jesus says, give. He says, give. I mean, it's not complicated. That's pretty simply stated, pretty matter-of-factly. It's like, it's like Nike's old commercial. Just do it. And by the way, I love it because, you know, I've taught you something. This is an imperative. Let's see if you've learned anything over the years. What is an imperative? Somebody tell me what an imperative is. It's a command. That's a command. Jesus says, Give. Just do it. It is command. That is the practice of giving. Now, how do you become good at something? How do you become good at something, class? You know how you become good at something. You do it. You practice it. It becomes a part of your kind of spiritual DNA. And you just have to do what Jesus says. That's what he, he, he's saying here. If, if you've never really done this now, it might be difficult for you. I, I know there, there are folks that say, I've, I've never done that. And I don't know if I, 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 I that kind of spooks me. Every, every time I talk about this through the years, people say, well, that's kind of spooky. We've never done that. And I don't see how, I don't see how we can, can do it. I told you that I am a practitioner, not a theoretician. I'm a satisfied counselor. I want to tell you something. I've been doing this since I was 14 years old. And my wife and I have been doing it since we were married. And I have to tell you something. There were times and have been times, and I assume will be times in the future, well, I don't know how it's all going to work out. I can tell you, I'm not, look, I got so many stories. I got a refrigerator story. I got a mail card. I I pulled, pushed a mail card. I mean, I got all these stories of how God did exactly what he promised to do if I would be obedient in my giving to him and uh and I, I mean i i've had those times alice and i we can remember where on paper it just didn't work and i didn't know how it was going to work i didn't shortchange god though to make it work but god when i was faithful and uh and obeyed god it always worked and, and i'll be honest i'm pretty analytical so i can i like to look at things and you know, and say, so, well, this and this and this and this and this and that means it. I'm pretty analytical, but I'll be honest with you: there have been many times through the years that, that God just did something that I couldn't explain. And then you have a lot of, by the way, remarkable stories too, of how God came through. There's stories right in this congregation where I've had people telling me when they practiced what God tells them practice. There's some incredible stories uh, that they have told me. And so I understand it can be spooky. It can, it can be, it can be really spooky. I had a funny story. A man. Let me tell you. He, I asked him, could I use this if, if it was appropriate? I won't call his name from the first service. And God has been very good to this man and has blessed him financially through years. But he told me, says, Pastor, I got to come up. I've got to confess something to you. And he said, um, I got up to. I, a couple of days ago, I, I was writing checks, and he said, I wrote my tithe check out. And um, he said, uh, and I got to thinking, he says, and we, we have more than given. We give to the funds and missions and all those kinds of things uh, well over our tithe. And he said, I got to thinking, you know what? I'm giving, That's a lot of money. I think I'm going to cut back. And he said, I hate to tell you that, Pastor, but he said, you've got to hear the, he said, so I, I, I think I'm going to cut back a little bit. I'm still going to tithe, but I'm going to cut back on, on some of the other side." And, and he says, and, uh, and so he said, I got up to come to church. He said, and you know, he said, do you think the devil works on us that way? I said, I know he does. I said, because I've been there. Look, I, I want to tell you something, and I'm not doing this. Everything I'm telling you, I practice. Allison, I practice. You need to know, you need to know that I do what I'm telling you, okay? But I want to tell you, we give more. Alice and I give more. I'm not doing that. Look, I'm not trying to, that's not to parade righteousness in front of you. I just want you to know something. You need to at least know, because by the way, and I probably, I don't know if I should say this. I said it in the first service. I don't know. I may hear about it, but there are preachers out there that don't practice what they're telling their people to practice in this area, and I'm not going to get into that, but 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 they're true. There are some who say just the fact that I am a pastor means I don't have to do that because this is my offering. See, I don't believe that at all. I believe I'm pastor. I have to lead by example. Number two, I believe I'm going to be accountable to whom much is given, much is required. I believe I'm going to be accountable too. That's, an, that, oh, no, I, I, I didn't mean uh, to get in uh, that. Let me get back to the story. Y'all sidetrack me. <laughs> that happens a lot, doesn't it? Um, it's your fault. So, So he says to me, he says, so, Uh, pastor, he said, could that be the devil? I said, I know it's the devil because I've battled that too, Allison. I give uh, much more than is required. And so I said, yes, I've had the devil whisper and say, you know, you've been given so much and and so long and you give more and all of this kind of of stuff and why don't you just cut back a little bit? See, y'all got to stay now because I hear it. (laughs) And so so he said, does that, the? I said, of course it's the devil. It Works on everybody like, it. you've battled that too before. And he said, well, I did. He said, I wrote my check and it was for less than what I would normally write it for. And he said, I still met my tithe, but he said, I, I, I do. And he said, but here's a funny thing. <laughs> he said, I got in a hurry, got in the car, headed to church and forgot my check. He said, I had no idea what you'd be preaching on today. He said, so I just want you to know. I'm going to be tearing that check up and putting a." Right, I said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you, you've been there. But the devil can work on our brains about the, these uh, kinds of things. But, but it can be scary if you've never done it before. And I just want to tell you to take God's Word seriously about that. Now, let me, just, let me give you three observations. This isn't on your outline. But let me give you three observations. Over 40 years of ministry... Let me give you three observations about why people um, don't obey God in their giving. This is, this is a, my personal perspective, 40 years of doing this and watching. And this is, here are three things. Number one, because of a lack of belief in Scripture. A lack of belief. Now, you say, well, I believe Scripture. Well, are you doing it? A confession doesn't mean you're obeying. Hello? Hello? And there are a lot of folks who confess, yeah, I believe Scripture, but then they don't practice what Scripture says. And so it's been my observation all these years is one of the reasons people don't give obediently is because they really don't believe what God says about this whole thing. Number two, it's been my observation, is because not only do they not believe in Scripture, but they lack trust in God. They fear that God will not provide, but if I do that, I just not, um, I've used this, what I'm about to tell you, I heard, um, I heard it from another person, and I picked it up, and I used it, I had opportunity, most preachers would have opportunity to use this, but some years ago, a, um, a guy in my church, like his, I I guess this has happened many times in many different places, uh, he, I, I had preached on the subject of giving and everything. And he says this to me later. He says, you know, I just, I just can't get there. But he says, I, I just can't get there because he says, I make so much money. Do you realize how much a tithe of my income would be? He said, I used to, but I didn't make this kind of money. But he said, now if I tithe, you realize how much that would be? And I said, Yeah. I realized how much that would be, and he said, well, I just can't, You, I, he, he said, I just can't, uh, he says, just, I said, well, let's do something, and I'd pick this up from somebody else. I said, let's pray that God reduces your salary back to a level you feel you can tithe again. <laughs> he said, whoa, no, let's not do that. He said, I get it, I get it. I said, well, you I said, tithing's obedient, and you said you can't, so let's get you back to a salary level where you can. You see, tithing is proportional, right? It's not about how much you make, it's about what you give in proportion to what you make. And God can look, God can change all that too, by the way. So sometimes it is, we don't really trust God. Well, if I do, will God take care of me? As I tell you again, man. I am a living, breathing example that it works even when, when it, doesn't, it doesn't look like it will work. It works. That's where you just have to, you have to say, I really do trust God. Here, here's a third observation. It's my observation. Uh, that people don't give obediently because they're more self-focused in their pursuits than they are in the priorities of the kingdom. And that one's an ouch, isn't it? And a lot of times what that means is, well, I want this for me, and I want to do this for me, and if I don't, if I give that, I might not be able to do this and, or this. And by the way, I'm not going to promise you that if you give to God, you'll be able to do this or do that. That's not even what it's about. I'll get to that in a minute. You see, it's not, okay, so if I'll give to him, and so then he'll give back, and I can do that and that and that and that and that. That may not happen. But just hang on, okay, I'll get there. Now, coming up in a, a couple of weeks is our Prove the Tithe Day. And by the way, Chuck did a great job of putting I said, wouldn't it be cool to show our people where some of their giving goes? This is your mission. This is just missions. This past year, almost $470,000. And if we were honest, we could probably go find where we'd given other special things uh, to do uh, 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 kingdom work. And uh, I don't even think this includes something, for example, like, uh, Thanksgiving meals. You you does it? Is that it? In- it doesn't include this. What we're doing with the Wiregrass group in terms of the baby bottles, but but at any rate, this shows you kind of. This is just missions. This isn't the other ministries of the church. This is just missions. Almost four hundred seventy thousand dollars now, and I'm so grateful for Ridgecrest. I have to tell you something. You guys, I tell our staff this, and they would testify this that we're fortunate because. Anytime I've, over the years I've stood up and said, hey, we've got, here's a need or here's a thing. You guys have given so generously. By the way, the, I mentioned the Thanksgiving meals. Y'all remember the Thanksgiving home feeding the homeless? You fed over 500 homeless people uh, 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 full Thanksgiving meals. But listen, you were so generous. We had so much left over that I used it to feed our staff for Christmas. No, I didn't. I didn't actually what I did was I didn't do it what we did is we took the leftover money we didn't put it in the budget you know what we did with it we gave it to the same love in action we gave it to them and you know what they did they use it to buy groceries for families for Christmas and I don't know I think hundreds of families receive groceries for Christmas because of your generosity. I'm so grateful that you. So I'm not here to fuss at you this morning, okay? But I, I just want you, look, I want you to get this life principle because I know it works. And I know it will change your life because God has all the resources, He has the cattle in a thousand fields. And by the way, it is God, Deuteronomy says, that gives you the ability to make wealth it's God, 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 God. So you got to do economy God's way. Because if you look out there at the economy and what they're saying about the economy, you'll say, how in the world is it going to work out when you're having to pay $8 for eggs? You know, how's it going to work out? Get on God's plan and God will work it out. And so on February 5th, we're going to have prove the tithe. you already received a letter from me with an envelope in it. You can use the envelope. You can give it some other way. Doesn't, doesn't matter. And this isn't an extra. This is not an extra offering. All I'm doing, and we've done this for 10 years, is say, try, to, try tithing. On that Sunday, everybody everybody, bring your, your tithe. On that. If you can work it out where you can tithe on that Sunday, online or whatever, do it. Because I want you to see the power of a church that tithes. By the way, I'll be doing it. Allison, I'll be doing it. I I put my tithe in today. I put my tithe and more in today. Again, that's not to do this. That's just simply to say, I'm not asking you to do something that your pastor and his wife won't do. And by the way, you say, well, pastor, you make more than I do. It has nothing to do with that. I was doing this when I made less than you. I was doing this before I was a pastor. I was doing this before I served on a church staff. It works. I want you to do it. I love our, I love you. I love our church, and I, I, I want you to enjoy this principle that Jesus talked about frequently. Okay, let me move on. Now, I told you that this was a command. Okay, we get that, but it's also something else in the Greek. It is in what we call the present active tense. You know what that means? Present active means you, you do it now, you keep doing it and you never stop doing it this is a this is a lifestyle this is a life principle that you uh, carry on and many of our many of the scriptures are cultivated simply through practice by doing it i've got to move on number two under uh, generosity is not only the practice of giving but the principle of giving now watch be, listen to me carefully because your tendency might be to say now wait a minute isn't the practice of giving the same as the principle of giving No, the practice is about your act, right? Your act of obedience. You just do it. The principle is stated by Jesus this way. Give, and here's here's the principle, and it will be given to you. You see it? Give is just the act. It will be given is the principle. If you give, then here's the principle. It will be given to you. Do you get that? Uh, That's it, plain and simple. Now, it's important to understand that we do not give obediently to try to manipulate God so that He will give to us. But this is a sound principle uh, that we can trust, and it's given to us by Jesus. So, in other words, when we respond obediently to the command to give, God has a principle of response. And by the way, in even greater measure than you give. And that leads to the second thing that I want you to see this morning. So we see the generosity of stewardship. But there is also the reciprocity of stewardship. Now look on the screen so you know how to spell that. (laughs) I know what it is. I know what it meant. But I had to look up how to spell it to make sure I didn't put it on here wrong. The reciprocity of stewardship. Notice verse 38 says, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That's reciprocity reciprocity simply means the easiest way to understand reciprocity would be what goes around comes back around A reciprocity is about an exchange so you exchange and you receive that's what reciprocity is in other words when you give to God he gives back to you but in this case Jesus says God does more than give back in equal measure God gives abundantly in return Randy Alcorn great uh, uh, Christian writer says this the more you give the more comes back to you because God is the greatest giver in the universe and he will not let you out give him go ahead he says and try it and see what happens and that's consistent with what what the prophet Malachi wrote in Malachi 3 and and verses 10 11 listen to what he says listen to this Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. and by the, So the prophet says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Do you know what the equivalent of the storehouse would be? It's the church. It was where the work of God uh, emanated from. It was where the work of God went out from. And that's real interesting because there are a lot of people out there who say, well, if I tithe, I'm going to give it to this organization or this organization. No, the tithe first comes to the church. It comes to the storehouse. Listen, it goes on. Uh, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house here's a great line don't miss this one and thereby put me to the test says the lord of hosts and see if i will not open the heaven of the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need i will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine and the field shall not fail to bear says the lord of hosts isn't that an incredible couple of verses well, by the way, I didn't read the verses before that in which the prophet said to the people of God, will a man rob God? And they said, how are we robbing you, God? You know what his answer was? Before this verse it says, in, in your tithes and offerings. By not giving obediently, they, God said, you're robbing me. And then he says, so test me in this. I'm just telling you, test me in it. This is the only place in all of Scripture where God says you can test him. Think about that. God, In fact, guess what it is, class? It's a command. God says, test me in this and see if I'll not open up the heavens and pour out a blessing on you. Some translations uh, translate this way, and pour out a blessing beyond your ability to handle. I mean, that's pretty good stuff. Uh, it's a promise to, uh, that we can take advantage of. Who wouldn't want to get in on that kind of promise, Right? That is reciprocity to the max. And by the way, when God says, test me in this, he doesn't say, test the preacher. So don't go out here and say, I'm going to test the preacher. I'm going to put the preacher. Te-. That will probably fail. God says, test me. Now, don't go testing him about other things. Well, if I can test you in that, I'm going to test. Be careful. But this one he says, test him in. All right? It's reciprocity. Now, I'm just, what I'm, here, look, here's what I'm doing. I want to, in the new year, I want you to get this right. I I want you, I want to give you a principle that will change your life. This would be true of me if I weren't, uh, if I retired from preaching and retired from pastoring. This would still be true. And I want you to grasp it. And, And frankly, the statistics tell us most have not. So let me give you a couple of things to expand on this and then we're done. Uh, under this you see the product of giving did you notice that what is the product of giving it is an abundant return God is a lavish giver and and by that I, I don't mean to suggest to you that the end product of obedient giving is your personal wealth there are some charlatans out there that have abused the scripture and try to say well God wants you to be wealthy so you give or you give to me, or to my, and so God will make you wealthy. I want to tell you something. That's a train wreck. That's charlatanism. And I've heard them, and you've heard them, and all of that sort of stuff. I always want to ask them. I've never had the chance, but I don't ask them this when they say that. I want to say, so what happened to the Apostle Paul? Because he spent most of his ministry in prison, most of the time without... Uh, great wealth until uh, after he got saved and so i want to ask these guys why did paul who wrote most of the new testament did he not get the memo so don't miss this i the the point is the product of giving is not to make you wealthy Jesus does not encourage his disciples to give of their wealth in order to get more wealth. They give because their nature has been transformed. Listen, God's goal is not to make you wealthy. He may give you wealth. If you're a good manager, a good steward, he may increase. And I think he does. But that's not his goal. His goal is to make you holy. But having said that, let me add that he loves to bring blessing to obedience does he when we're obedient he loves to bring blessing and he's talking a bit about that here in this passage the idea here is that when you give to him he will more than give back and take care of you you have the promise when you obey god that god will take care of you and i do believe this i do believe that god loves to bless his children i, I believe god loves to bless those who love and obey him our uh, our grandsons were in town this um this past week, and I took them yesterday. I drove them to Birmingham to exchange my daughter and two grandsons and put them in the car of, um, of her husband and their father, and th- they were headed back, and then I, I drove back here, but they were here all week, and they arrived on Monday, late Monday, and I, of course, I didn't get home until early evening on, on Monday, and, and I knew they were there and I have to tell you, I was excited about seeing them. I love those. Y'all know that. I tell you all the time. Stories about. Them. But listen to this. So when I walk in, my oldest, the four-year-old, the little one, uh, he is starting to be, I mean, he babbles mostly, but, but he's starting to make sense with some of his words. And the ones that we can't figure out, we just interpret them the way we want them to be but the older one of course now he he's a talker he is a talker big time and he's smart and and you know he, he can carry on this conversation with that'll freak you out sometimes you know and so uh, i walk in and he hears me come in the door and around the corner coming to the uh, to the family room And when I do, he sees me, and he jumps up, and he begins to hop, and he comes flying at me. He throws his arms up, and he says, this is his first words to me. The very first words he says to me is, Pops, I just love you so much. And he jumps up, and I grab hold of him, and we hug and and swing around there and everything. But I want to tell you something. Those were the first words, Pops, I just love you so much. And it wasn't manipulation. He wasn't saying, There's my pops. I'm going to manipulate him, though he could have at the moment. Well, I'll just tell you, when he said that, the floodgates of my heart flew open. Man, when he said that, I just thought, Man. And I just thought, whether he knew it or not, what do you want? I want to bless you. I want to bless you. That's how I felt. It's the same way you feel with children. It's the same way uh, you feel with grandchildren. It's just the way you feel. It's unprovoked. I didn't walk in and say, Hey, come here. What do you want to tell me? I didn't have to. It was spontaneous, which made it all the more wonderful. Now listen, if I get that, how much more does God get it when you and I go throw her arms up and go, God, I just love you so much. I love you so much, God. God, thank you for all you've done for me. Thank you for saving me. I just love you so much. I just love you so much. If I get what I get, how much more? And you know what God does? He says, unprovoked, spontaneous love, I love to bless my children. I love to bless my children. God gets it. That's why John ten ten, Jesus said this, the thief comes to ki- steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I really believe God loves to bless His children, but blessing is not always financial, is it? It's not always financial at all. It's things that we sometimes don't even think about—the blessing of God. But He's promised. I'm. Look, you don't ever. You think that grandson? You think he has to worry? Would pops take care of me? He said something else to me spontaneously, sitting beside me. We're watching trains. He's into trains. And he looks at me just spontaneously out of nowhere. It Has nothing to do with trains. He says, "Pops, will you be with me forever?" Whew. Man you know, he, look, he may be smarter than I think. He may say, I figured this pops thing out. <laughs> but the trigger, you get it? Spontaneous. Listen, would I care for him? You better believe it. Now, he's a great, great mom and dad. But listen, I, look, I'll be with you as long as I can be with you. If If I can get that, think how much God gets it. When you and I say, God, I just love you. God, will you be with me forever? And Jesus came down in this world to answer that question, yes. Let me close. So the product of giving, that's the product of, of giving is he says, I'll give it back to you. I'll pour out a blessing on you. But second, there's the promise of giving. And what is the promise found here? Well, there are really several promises. Let me just give you one primary promise, I think. And that is, at the end of that verse, he says, for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this is a concept of measure that was used in the ancient world. It's very common. Really, in some sense, it's still common today. It was uh, about fairness. So, uh, uh, you get a day's worth of wages for a day's worth of work, right? Fairness kind of thing. It just, it balances out. And so... Jesus is saying, look, I I can I can pour out uh overflowing, a pressed down, shaken together. By the way, have you ever put something in a container and you wanted to get more in there, and so you kind of patted it down or you banged it down so it would settle so you could put more in, then you settle it again, you put more in. The picture here is that's happening, pressed down, shaken together, and you just keep God just keeps adding it until finally you can't get any more in there, and it just kind of overflows. And Jesus says, you, you determine that. He says, so h- however you measure is the measure that will be used back to you. So if you, if you give scarcely, then God will respond scarcely. If you give moderately, God will respond. That's what he's saying here, the concept of measure. But Jesus says, I want to go beyond, beyond what you're used to. That's why it was so new and so radical Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6. He says, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. The promise of giving is that God will give in response back to us. This past May, NPR, that's National Public Radio, they did uh, uh, an episode uh, entitled, Goodwill Doesn't Want Your Broken Toaster. And the whole episode was about the kind of junk people bring to Goodwill. And they interviewed this this regional supervisor named Heather Steves. And she said this. She said, we hope everyone brings great things that help our programs. But we know some people make some questionable judgments about what is good to donate. And then she holds up a lampshade. And the lampshade is stained. It is disgusting and literally falling apart. And somebody just dropped it off the day before along with a small table, missing a leg, a cracked purple food storage container, and a used sponge. And the, the, the show just highlighted that, that people will just bring a lot of stuff that can't be refurbished, it can't be renewed, it can't be resold. And along with just being gross, these items cost Goodwill money. They don't help Goodwill because what in effect happens, uh, this spokesperson said, is that this all becomes trash and we have to get rid of it. And and our trash bill adds up to a million dollars a year. And it's been growing every year for the past five years. And she said, and that's just for the 30 stores that I oversee. She said, Goodwill threw away last year more than 13 million pounds of waste Technically, it's other people's trash. And she said, and that's just in the locations of Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine. Well, I I read that and I thought, you know, tragically, that sometimes believers are guilty of giving God the stained stuff, the broken stuff, the less over stuff. I don't know if you read my column, but if you if you haven't, read the story, the calf story today. All right, I put in there. For you read it today it'll make sense but tragic and it's kind of a comical thing but you'll get it tragically though believers they they're guilty of giving God the second best they're guilty of giving God their leftovers and then they are disappointed when God does not seem to come through for them and so I want to ask you this morning which standard of measure are you using with God are you using his or yours God gave his best in his son Jesus Christ and he expects us to do the very same thing it's a new year and it's time for new things and new stewardship stewardship is about giving and you know the greatest gift that was ever given is the gift that God gave us the gift of God's Son. That's the greatest gift ever given. <clears throat> and look, you got to get that before you can get this other. Okay, I, I want to close with a story about my grandson. I hadn't talked about him much. They were here. One of the things he wanted to do, they like to do, is to come up here, come see me at work. And so um, I think it was Thursday. They came up here on Thursday. Was that right, Chuck, Thursday? They came up here Thursday. And our oldest grandson, Bodie, the four-year-old, when they can't go to church in Nashville, they watch us. And weather has socked them in several times, like snow where they couldn't get out and that. And so they watch us. And so he has come to see this as church. So when they watch this, he sees this as church. So he thinks this is what church is. And so he comes up here, and they come down to my office and come in, and he says, Pops, can we go to church? And so I said, of course we can. And so we come walking down here. But now listen, he thought he was going to walk in here, and you were all going to be out there. (laughs) And so he comes in, he says, where are the people? I said, well, they only come on Sunday, some of them. (laughs) And so I, I turned the lights on. We came down here. He wanted to come down here. And so I tried to explain that to him. Finally, he got that. And I said, hey, would you like to come up here where Pops is? And uh, he thought he was going to get to come up here with me while I preached. And I want to tell you, if he's ever here on a Sunday morning with you, I'm going to bring him up here, okay? Because it'll scare him to death, and he'll go right back down. I know that because I did that with my own daughter when she was his age. And I was exec pastor at a 6,000-member church, and I got up to do the welcome and greeting, and she can't want to come up with me, our daughter Karis. And she looked out at this crowd. We had a 4,000-seat auditorium, so that'll give you some perspective on the size of that thing. And she looked out there, and she put her head in my leg and wrapped her around, and she wouldn't go in. I said, you want to say anything to these people? She's like, yeah. And finally, I had to limp off with her on my leg. But I'm going to bring Bodie up here if he ever gets here. But, so we come, we come down. Nobody, You're not in here. And by the way, they typically will watch the first service, and they'll see the choir up here. And so he comes up here, and um, I said, do you want to preach with pops? And he says, yeah. But first, he walks, the first thing he does, he looks out at the empty seat, and he says, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. And my wife, fortunately, was filming all this. And then he, this is all spontaneous, then he walks back here like he's walking to the choir, but there's nobody there, but he's used to seeing them. And then he looks back and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, Pops and I are about to do incredible music. (laughs) And then he says, It will be amazing. It most certainly would if Pops did it. But if anybody could get me to sing, it would be him, you know. So I said, well... Well, now we need to preach, don't we? And so we pull I, pull, I get a couple of music stands over there and I pull one here and I put one just about his height. He gets a Bible out from behind the, the chair back and he brings it up there. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. And he says, and I, and I said, What do you think we should read? And he says, I don't know, Pops. I said, How about John 3 16? He, and he knows that verse. And so I said, okay, let's open your Bible. I helped him find John three 16. He's got it right there. And then I stood here and I said, for God, for God, so love, so love. And we did the verse. He gave his only begotten son, who's ever blessed. And by the way, you'll love this part. When he finished that scripture, he closed the Bible, turned around and said, okay, church is over. <laughs> That's what some of y'all are thinking right now. He isn't, he, church, church is over. It stopped raining, pastor. Church is over. Um. But here's why I tell you that. John three sixteen. You know why? Because I thought if ever there is a verse that I want him to understand is that there is a great giver named God. And he sent his son into this world to save me and to save that little guy and to save you. And people, I want to tell you something. I want him to know that that the greatest giver ever was Jesus. And it's not about money. And that our only responsibility with that is to give our soul back to Him. You'll never be this if you don't get that. It'll just be the law instead of the grace. People, if I had 10,000 lives, I could never get back to Him what He has given me in His Son, Jesus. Ten thousand lives, I could never give back. I could never give back, but I don't have to. He says, just give me your life. Just give me your life. Just give me your soul. Surrender to me. I'll take care of the rest. That's the great stewardship. and That's where stewardship starts. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? No one's looking about. Have you, have you done that? <clears throat> are you just religious? Those of you who are watching online, you're, <clears throat> you're watching on television, perhaps in this room, have you, have you surrendered yourself? Look, I, if you don't get that right, disregard everything else I've been talking about. But now, you give your soul to Him. That's the first act of giving. You give all. You give yourself. Have you done it? You can right now in this room, on live stream. You can call on Him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Father, come into my life. I give my soul to you. I give my life to you. I surrender all. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I know I need you. And I could never repay you for what you've done. So I offer myself. I need you. I promise you, he'll hear that prayer. He's already promised he will hear that prayer. Maybe maybe as this new year begins, you say, you know what? I need need to be the kind of steward God has created me to be. I know him, and I've given my life to him, but I need to obey him and let him be to me my source, my provider, my caretaker.